Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey everyone, happy Friday. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We are back. It's second episode of the week. We're trying to bring more good content to the people. Tell you what, we have such a huge lineup of episodes that are just like, I'm, I'm dying to get them out. I'm shocked that we haven't just started releasing like one a day at this point because we've had so many cool people to interview this this summer. Yes. Uh, today's guest, I am super, super stoked about. We It took us a while to finally find time because uh, Tamara Schmautz has been incredibly busy um she's been doing a lot of work around COVID-19 just with her her normal everyday job she's also the board president of the Cascade Cycling Club uh, out of Washington and she works a ton with at the moment the Black Lives Matter movement but she's a gay woman of Korean descent and has just been trying so hard for since she got into cycling to increase diversity and inclusion in the cycling scene, you know, with, with what their club is doing. And they're doing so much really cool, really good work. Um, so I was super excited to get to sit down with her and talk about, you know, what they're doing and also sort of how other clubs can can take inspiration from their club's efforts and, yeah. you know, really yeah, when figure you, out how to... <laughs> when you told me that this episode's kind of like, this is going to be important, I think, to share with the listeners, because we do have people who are running bike shops, who are running clubs or running teams or trying to start up stuff, trying to keep stuff going during COVID, um, and let alone Black Lives Matter and all of the stuff that's coming to that. So I think this is a really awesome episode to reflect on, even if it makes us a little uncomfortable, right? Which I think it does, and it should. Yeah, and I think it's also a really good one for anyone who's been, you know, kind of hearing about the issues of diversity and inclusion in cycling or in endurance sport in general, who doesn't really know a whole lot about it, but like wants to wants to understand it better. We talk about, you know, equality versus equity and, you know, what some of this these terminologies actually mean, uh, as well as, you know, then the actual tangible takeaways that people can you know, go forth and hopefully bring some some more inclusion, some more diversity and, you know, really actually have their clubs shifting to helping with, you know, what matters to them and, you know, what their values are and where their values lie. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think the, I think we'll get right into it, but I think if anyone has other ideas, you know, we're trying to reach out more and and again, become more diverse. So if anyone has suggestions, thinks, you, you know, you're doing something amazing that we can share with the greater consummate athlete community, um, you know, whatever you're doing, even if it seems small, we'd love to hear about it because those are the little small ideas that ultimately those first steps, those little, you know, at the doorstep type uh, initiatives that we can all, you know, tr- take or take inspiration from, I think are great to share. So please do reach out if you have ideas. Yeah, that's over at consummateathlete.com. You can find all of our contact info. And for now, please enjoy this interview with the amazing Tamara Schmaltz. First of all, welcome welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm I'm so excited that we finally get to connect and talk all things bikes. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so, how how exactly did you get into cycling to begin with? I, if I recall right, you're not really like a from childhood on kind of uh, into cycling person. 
Yeah, well, I, I always had a bike. I rode a bike when I was, you know, from first grade or kindergarten, whatever. Mm-hmm. I had a little uh, Schwinn uh, Stingray and rode all over, you know, growing up. But then I kind of just lost, like a lot of people do. They, they don't continue into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And I owned a bike, and I commuted by bike, but I never really rode more than that. And so in uh, 2010, 10, 11 years ago, I tore my ACL playing soccer. And I needed, okay. um, I needed a um, you know a, a, a sort of an easier way to rehab, and just started riding a bike. And then I enjoyed it riding my bike more, and I bought a road bike. And that was 2011. And since then, I found I really, really like it. And I've probably ridden I don't know 20,000 plus miles since then in the last 10 years. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I think yeah, that's that's such a common story for women, I've realized, is that a lot of us have that, like, okay, we learned how to ride a bike, obviously, but then we sort of, you know, hit our preteen years, really, and just kind of the bike went away, and maybe we'd ride occasionally if, if we had to, or we were on vacation or something like that, but yeah, a lot of us kind of put it away for those formative years, really. And I, I, like I said, I commuted, but I only, I would ride like five, six miles at a time. And they were always hard five, six miles because I never built up any endurance or really trained or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I bought a road bike and started riding a lot. And um, I, the Cascade Bicycle Club here in, in uh, Western Washington had a little newspaper at the time. It was an actual print paper that they sent out and it had something about the Major Taylor Project, which um, is their uh, high school ride club, um, the Cascades High School Ride Club that was formed, um, named after a, a black um, bicycle racer from the 1890s, I think. Yeah. And his name was Marshall Taylor. And I thought, wow, that's a really great thing. I should, and so I volunteered for it. And I thought it would be a great way to get kids on bikes. And about the second or third week that I volunteered, I realized the bike is just a tool to help a lot of um, underserved, uh, mostly kids of color in these high schools that they serve. Um, It is a tool to help them set goals and build self-esteem and just do a lot of things that they might not have the opportunity to do. So that's how I got it actually even more... um, uh, engaged in bicycling in the bicycle community. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, you went from, okay, I'm going to help out with this little project to, uh, to now you're, you're quite involved in, uh, (laughs) in the Cascade Bicycle Club. So how, how did that happen? And I mean, okay, you've, you know, you've gotten this road bike and now I imagine you're also starting to ride with the club. So how do you suddenly become such an integral part of the club. You're the board president. <laughs> I am right now. And part of it was just seeing, so they have this great program. Cascade has this great program that reaches um, kids of color, high school and junior high, you know, kids. And But you look around at the cycling community, and uh, I'm Korean, um, and there, you know, there are pockets of here in the, in the Pacific Northwest, there are a lot of different clubs of, um, you know, Asian ride clubs and uh, a, a few African-American clubs. But within the cycling community is, is, at, at large, it's not really represented well. And I definitely 
thought that about Cascade. And a friend of mine, who uh, Ed Ewing, who actually was the founder of one of the founders of Major Taylor Project, just encouraged me. He said, "You know, they, we need more people of color on the board and w- involved in leadership with Cascade." And that's basically how I got involved. And um, I think we've done a really good job in trying to bring the board's representation to that of the community here, the you know, greater community, and, and it represents what our um, ethnic makeup is within the, the Puget Sound here. So I think we've done a really good job there. That's awesome. Trying to get more representation of all, you know. First it was women, and I think women are doing a better job, but I think people of color need to be represented better in the cycling Uh, community as well yes i could not agree more and i mean i think a lot of clubs are having these conversations now you know as as the black lives matter movement gathers steam and as people are realizing like oh right we we need to think about how we're you know looking at our club and everything but they don't necessarily know i guess even where to start (laughs) so how, how would you recommend that a club and maybe this is like a very like down the road question that we we can get to in a bit here, but like, how, how would you recommend a club even start thinking about adding more diversity, to, you know, to their probably all white uh, membership base? Well, I guess the you know the what I what I see, and not just cycling, but in in general uh, population, especially now in the the you know in the climate that we have, is people want to jump in and solve problems yes and i think part of that is to take a different approach is to say we have so for example ed and the the founders of uh, major taylor they went to an area in south seattle and they said this is what we can do how can we help you and work with you to bring cycling to the community and you know you have to go and you really have to listen you have to listen to the, you know, you have to go in and not have the solution and not have the answers, but find out first what the problem is. You know, what, where, where, where's the shortcoming as far as getting people on bikes? Mm-hmm. And listen to, the, you know, the, the the answers are very different than, you know, what what you find in either recreational clubs or racing clubs. Um, people, um, you know, and the the. The obstacles and even, I mean, like in um, the Southeast Asian community in South Seattle, where the high school that I volunteered at, a lot of the kids that we had were Vietnamese, first first generation American uh, born to immigrants. And in Vietnam, riding a bicycle is totally not, you know, you don't want to ride a bicycle because you're at the bottom of the socioeconomic stratosphere there. You want to have a motorized scooter, you want to have a car. And so when they come to the United States, that's not really how they want to get around because that wasn't something that they did, you know, in Vietnam. And they see it as a lower class and and not something that might actually you know, help them or give them recreation or, um, you know, for a number of reasons why you'd want to get on a bicycle. And so these kids, they love cycling, but they like, do you have a bike at home? No, my parents don't want me to bike. And so there's a lot of different issues that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a conversation with people and saying, you know, what? Well, first of all, would a bicycle be an attractive thing to you? And if so, how can we help make that happen? Yeah. And really yeah. listen. 
and uh, yeah no I think that's that's great um and I think that's that's probably the the piece that's missing the most is the the asking the first question instead of just like okay let's quickly draft a charter and do all of these things without any input from what would actually be helpful and desired Uh, that's right that's right and uh and and in fact like i said there are a number of clubs here that um in the seattle and puget sound area that are primarily like uh there's a a club of uh, philippinex writers you know and and a lot of people don't know that that these even exist but um cascade worked hard to you know to basically bring in to the fold about the things that we offer are good for everyone, you know, for all writers. So, and that's what we, you know, bring equity and bring, um, you know, have some value to, to writers of all, um, all abilities, all ages, all genders, all races. And, uh, that's, you know, part of, part of our value, our core values. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and okay, so you said a word there that I really want to dive into, and that is equity. Um, I wonder if you can maybe explain to anyone who might not know uh, equity versus equality, because I, I think a lot of the time we, we sort of just, dr- you know, jumble those two words together. Um, but I know they have very different connotations. Yeah, equality is they are often mistaken for each other, and um, I mean, if you think about, we're all we're all equal under the law. Okay, that's equality. We're all we the law like laws are made, and everyone's equal, treated supposedly equal under the law. Equity is access. Mm-hmm. So, equity has to do with the access, the uh, access to a particular um, equity, equitable access to education. I mean, we're all equal in the sense of we're, we're supposed to have an education provided to us by our, you know, local public school. But equity in schools is a, a completely different issue. Everyone, you know, all kids in Seattle public schools have the ability to go to school, but equity is that the access to these schools and the education that they get would be um, the same, and they're not. And so that's that's where the difference is is access and uh, is is equity is about access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw a, a quote from you in the article that our, our mutual friend Paul had sent me about you, um, where you uh, you said you'd you'd heard or had been asked like you know is this an equity club or a, a bicycling club and and you said why can't it be both and I, I just love that because um, I I mean yeah the bicycle to me is such a good vehicle for social change and it's it's very underutilized in that sense i feel like that's that's absolutely correct and and you know we've had that i've been on the board this is my fifth year and that was early on and someone it someone it actually was about whether we were a social service agency and which which goes to sort of providing equity and um looking at you know uh, other issues besides just the bicycle and um, whether it be gender equity or race racial equity and related to a bicycle and I think that you know especially now with um, what's going on in the in the world and our communities with Black Lives Matter uh, I think it's more important that, than ever not just you know for Cascade or bicycle clubs but for everyone to just think about whether or not that's how you want to you know center your mission of whatever it is is around equity 
and racial and, and gender equity. So, yeah. And now that you mentioned gender, you also mentioned um, that uh, another quote you had was, uh, you've definitely had more gender issues than issues related to being gay. Um, and that bicycling still has a whole lot of mansplaining that goes on in it. Um, as someone who's written a lot of books about bikes and still gets mansplained to pretty frequently, how do you, uh, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, sometimes you just go to a different shop. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, you know, this area is fairly, um, we've, uh, we've had a couple, um, surveys that were sent out by different groups and, you know, about different shops and why it is that a shop, one shop was better for, and it was actually for, um, what the, what the, or, you know, WTF women trans femme, uh, participants of the survey. And sometimes it is, you don't, sometimes you just walk away and go someplace else. And sometimes you want to have a conversation. And I think a lot of, um, People in the bicycling community want to be inclusive in the sense of, you know, gender or race or whatever. But and they don't even understand. They, they don't even recognize that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not even sure always that. I mean, you don't necessarily need to be a woman to be mansplained. You could be a man that doesn't know a lot about cycling. So part of it's that. Part of it's the cycling culture. Like, well, you should know that this crank is this, and you know, versus <laughs> the bed or whatever. You know, and people don't. And but it comes off as mansplaining when you're a woman who knows perfectly well the difference between them and it has to be explained to you. So, yeah, um, I, you know, sometimes I'll just say, hey, you know, I, I've ridden quite a bit. I do know the difference or whatever it is they're talking about. And they kind of, oh, okay, that's that's great. But yeah, it still uh, it still cracks me up thinking back a few years ago going into a bike shop with my dad. And I mean, my dad is a, a big man, like, you know, 250 or so. And like, you know not the most in shape human on the planet we'll say and you know i was going in and i'm wearing like literally like a pro racing kit and the guy that owned the shop still only talked to my dad completely ignored me and i was just like seriously how is this how is this a thing like that was like 2015 come on um and it's funny i actually just got asked a couple days ago for a couple of recommendations for uh like you know, could you suggest a a bike shop in Toronto that would have, that would be good for a female to go to and, or like a woman to go to and, you know, actually get good service? And I was like, yeah, I can name a couple and I can tell you a couple you shouldn't go to. Um, so bike shop owners should really be paying more attention to that because I mean, really it's good for business too. That's right. And we, the, the nice thing here is we have a number of, um, shops that have, uh, women mechanics. Oh, so that's so good. also very too where you know they they're the ones that are wrenching on your bike so you feel like you get more attention uh from everyone in the shop because they understand hey a woman can do that too yeah 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 absolutely um and okay so i have to i have to switch gears a little bit because i you know so much of the the bicycle club stuff used to be that, you know, we could do all of these things in person and go to schools and have these talks and, you know, be helping kids get on bikes and having group rides and all of that stuff. And I know for, you know, Cascade, the Cascade Classic was a huge part of, you know, the yearly uh, planning and stuff. And obviously with COVID, that's all changed. How are, how is Cascade kind of keeping the community initiatives going at this point? Well, it's been difficult. We had to make a, some difficult decisions. We laid off about half the staff, um, uh, about 
more than about two thirds of our revenue comes from large uh, group rides to Seattle to Portland, yeah. which is the big classic, the STP, and the Seattle to Vancouver. It's called the Ride from Seattle to Vancouver and Party. So it's the RSVP. It's a two-day ride up to Vancouver, oh. British Columbia. A beautiful ride if you ever get a chance to do it. Um, and so without the revenue from those rides, we've really had to rethink what it is, first of all, how we're going to fund ourselves. And we've a lot of, of um, we've gotten corporate sponsorships and private individual donors that have stepped up. And, you know, right now we're doing okay. We've like I said, we had to have some laughs, but we've really pivoted our programs too. So we don't have our the ability to go into schools because schools didn't, you know, have in in person uh, learning, and they aren't going to here anyway in the near future. Mm -hmm. At least not this fall. Um, we've put a lot of uh, educational programs online for kids, and uh, the education group has done a great job with that. We have started uh, our free group rides back up, which is in the past have had large, large turnouts, and we have certified ride leaders that um, lead groups on rides, and we've started them again, but they're only for six. I think five or six is, is the maximum, because we have to have distancing, and you know, just can't have a large group. Yeah. Ooh, that's um, got to be a big the shift. Thing is a, lot of virtual, <laughs> a lot of virtual activities, so we have right now, the virtual STP is going on, and it's, a, it's an opportunity for people to log their 205 miles during a two-week period, even though we would normally do it in two days, one or two days. And um, I think we have 3,500 participants, so a lot of people are participating, and I think that's great. And you just there's a, a online uh, a platform that you, you join teams and you put your miles in every day or however often that you ride. And so, you know, just trying to keep the uh, membership and the cycling community engaged with programs like that and uh, we have uh, just you know we've also taken on a different um, like I said pivoted a bit and, and really participating in uh, racial equity um, organizational um, activities there's a, a, a ride here now called the Peace Peloton and uh, it basically, it's a kind of a leisurely, I went on Sunday or Saturday, it was my first time participating, and it was started basically to support black-owned businesses, and we start at one black-owned community, like a restaurant or a coffee shop, ride for 10 or 12 miles and end up somewhere else and spend money in another one, and it's really, really been great. We had... Um, oh, what a great idea. I love we that. Had a, you can Google it, uh, Seattle, uh, Peace Peloton Seattle, and uh, it, they said on Saturday that it's been picked up, they're going to start um, in London and in New York, I think. So um, it's, it, it is, it's fantastic. I mean, and we, had a, we have a speaker, we had a speaker on Saturday, it was a, a municipal court judge, a black woman who talked about... Um, she just gave a short talk on um, basically being black in the court system and how inequitable, if they bring the word in, you know, if a, 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 a black person who might be a lower income person is receives like five parking tickets, the next one they might end up in jail. And, you know, just the things that are completely weighted against 
a person, a, a lower income person, and particularly people of color. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a really great idea, and you can, like I said, you can find it online, Peace Peloton. Oh, that is such a good idea. And I think that's the kind of thing that people can sort of plan in their own communities, too. Like, you can, you know, see what Black-owned businesses are around and, you know, just plan a, a group right of your own to, to go and actually shop yeah, at them right. or get at yeah. them. And uh, Doc, Doc uh, Martin, I think is his last name, and came up with the idea sort of um, with some friends, and now it's it's quite a big deal and uh, I think if if anyone's interested they can reach out to him on, on his website and uh, ask about how to get it started. Oh, so cool. And okay, I have to I have to ask. You're you're also heavily involved with the, like COVID-19 stuff working in virology. Uh you're you're trying to to keep the Cascade Bicycle Club running. Um how on earth are you staying not, I, I want to say stress-free, but I know that's obviously not the case. Um, how how are you getting by right now? <laughs> like, what's getting you through my this? My bicycle? Yes. <laughs> Correct answer. Partner, my bicycle, uh, yoga, and, um, you know, just feeling like it, it, it is, there are moments of, you know, where I just think, why am I doing, I'm very close to retirement, so it's like, well, maybe I should just do this now. But uh, I think mostly I do, I ride, I commute in to work every day by bike. So I get my 15 miles in every day. Just streets are quiet. There's not a lot of people out, um, you know, still. And uh, that, that's a big part of it. But just feeling like, I mean, I, I did not ever, this was supposed to be a very easy year being the president of Cascade bicycle club board i mean you know everything we were in good financial shape and things <laughs> sailing along and so i had no idea that this was going to be the year yeah no, did, no you know, one warned you <laughs> but uh you know we just do the best we can and uh I, I my bicycle is one of the saving graces of you know just taking out the stress on the bike and i i've tried to get you know some recreational rides in on the weekend as well and just go out and ride as hard as i can for a few hours so yeah, I think I think so many people kind of ignore that, like, seven miles to work, seven miles home, like, that adds up, you know, pretty, pretty well over, you know, the course of a year. I started doing the, I did the quick math on that, and I was like, whew, that could easily be, you know, 3,500 miles in a year that you ride just to and from yeah, the office. Yeah. And I ride, I ride year-round. Here, we only get snow maybe once a year of that, and it, it might not even stick. So, I mean, there are days where it snows and I still ride. But, but I, you know, the the hardest part when you look out and it's raining and it's uh, 40 Fahrenheit is not actually riding. It's just going outside and getting on the bike. And once yeah. I'm on it, okay. <laughs> but uh, every day is a good day, though. I mean, you know, to be on a bike, so. Yeah, exactly. You're always going to feel better for having done it, for sure. That's right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so... I, I have to ask then, like, what what would your, like, best, is there any, like, piece of gear or anything like that? Like, what advice would you give to someone who's like, okay, I know I should start commuting. Maybe when I do go back to the office, I'll, I'll consider it. What would you, what would you recommend? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, bad weather, uh, the two things that I really don't like are wet feet and wet hands. And people are like, well, how can you do that? Well, I, 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 I mean, I go through a set of shoe covers every about every year and 
I just spend good money on those things. Everything else, you're almost always going to get wet, you know. Like, yep. There's no reason to wear rain pants or, you know, I do wear, I have a nice rain, uh, like a light jacket, but I spend money on shoe covers and on gloves. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, but and, and the rest of the year, you just wear what's comfortable for commuting. I mean, I can, you know, when I go out and ride, I too can be in a, not a pro kit, but a full kit. But I also, uh, uh, like to to work and back, just put a pair of shorts on and uh, you know a little summer top or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look. In fact, I think I get more street cred by just putting on whatever I'm wearing it than I do you know commuting in my kit. So yeah, no, I love that, and I think so many people people forget that when they get super into biking, they they kind of get and I'm I'm super guilty of this. You get into this point where like oh I can't get on the bike unless I'm fully kitted out and wearing like the right shoes and you know this that and the other thing but really I you know I could just do my like short ride downtown in whatever the heck I have on and you know wear my sneakers and with my you know clip-in pedals and just deal with it yeah I yeah I actually I use SPDs and so I can I actually am pretty good at just wearing my sneakers to get on my bike to go to the grocery store yep. a couple miles. <laughs> yeah. and uh you just learn where to put it up, where the pedal hits your foot, but, you know, sometimes it's just, it's more comfortable and it's easier. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. Um, and then, okay, you mentioned, you mentioned yoga. I'm, I, as soon as I talk to a busy person, I always want to just hear about how they're, how they're handling, you know, staying fit and staying, you know, yeah, staying kind of sane in this pretty bonkers time so yeah what is what does yoga look like for you well it's been you know it's been hard because they the studios are closed down but my the one that i i go to frequently has she's had online and uh it's a little you know it's a it's different it's sort of like it's to me it's like like spinning indoors i just not really <laughs> I'm not a indoor spinner, but I'm also yeah. with yoga. It's hard to do it online, but it's still it's still moving my body. And I have the yoga mat out in my living room, and it's just just sometimes I'll just go through a few poses because it just it relaxes. You know, it just makes well for one, it's good stretching for a cyclist that never stretches. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other is just you know it sort of centers your mind mindfulness. You know, as far as just kind of getting the rest of the world out and just concentrating on holding your pose or whatever it is that you're doing so yeah. for me it's another it's another thing I like to do yeah no I love it um all right and for someone who you know doesn't have a club around them maybe because I think you know this is a lot of people like your Cascade Bicycle Club is awesome because it has such a huge reach and huge membership base and all of that and it's it's easy for someone who's new to Seattle to be like okay this is my club um for someone who doesn't have that around and you know maybe wants to to start something or start helping out or volunteering or doing anything like that. Any, any tips for finding that cycling community? Uh, I, you know, I think more and more, um, communities throughout the United States have some sort of club. And, and, and I think people are intimidated because sometimes it's like, well, like racing clubs exist. Um, but I think there are community sort of centered clubs, uh, like Cascade. And I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, like, a nationwide directory or, you know, one, but I think anywhere, I, I've seen, Twitter is a really good place to find cyclists, and mm-hmm. um, I kind of, inter, you know, you see things, 
posted. That's that's how I initially got into just Twitter, and I still only sort of use it for my transportation for cycling, and then now for COVID for work a little bit more. But there's, you know, I see all sorts of really great things um, about uh, you know cities all over the country and just activities, uh, cycling activities, and mostly transportation. You know, like the infrastructure that I read about. But I think that. There are clubs and uh, organizations throughout the country that are available. So. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the communities are there. It might take a little bit of legwork to find them, but a lot of the times there's at least a few people who are already hanging out and riding bikes in, in most areas. And I think the other thing is that the infrastructure throughout cities in the uh, both U- U.S. and Canada, I was in Calgary last, it seems like about five years ago, but it was, last year for uh, <laughs> and uh, I was really impressed on their infrastructure and this was in J- February I was up there and there were you know the the bike trails were clear and there were people riding there was a lot of snow but still oh, people yeah. were out riding and and so I think all you know a lot of cities are starting to provide more infrastructure building more infrastructure and even if it just means stopping and asking somebody while you're out riding on a trail or on, uh, you know, on a street at a red light or something, I think people are really uh, happy to talk about cycling if they're on a bike. That is absolutely true. In fact, you're probably going to be hard pressed to get them to stop talking at some point. (laughs) That's true. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. All right. Um, Can you tell everyone just how to, how to find out more about Cascade Bicycle Club? Because I feel like if you're looking for models of clubs doing awesome stuff, I think everyone should be following what they're up to, for sure. I I agree. We've, this is our 50th year. Oh. Um, yeah, and it's been strong. We've had our you know ups and downs. I have not been a member for 50 years, but uh, looking back at our history, uh, we're on the web at uh, cascade.org org, and um, I think that you know, if uh, again, if you are someplace that you uh, are starting up a club, you know, just send a note off to. I think it's info. You have to look, but and uh, you know, somebody from the club will get back to you about. Um, you know, we're all different levels of cyclists, but everyone's passionate about cycling, and um, you know, we'd be happy to help out. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Tamara. This was this was super fun. It's it's not often I get to talk to somebody that I'm like this stoked on talking about all of these these topics. Uh, usually, I'm talking about you know, watts and HRV and all of that kind of stuff. So this has been just such a fascinating conversation. <laughs> so thank you. And I'm gonna at the end of this say, wash your hands and wear your mask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my other my other hat on. Yep. <laughs> It's all real stuff, but those are the two things that everybody can do. Everybody can wash your hands, wear your mask, socially distance, you know, keep social distancing. But uh, we'll get through it. It's going to take some time. Yes. Thank you so much for for finishing on that note. That was amazing. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on, you know, great new guests. And yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs um, at consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram. uh, And I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter. And Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week.